Hello, it's Richard Herring here. Welcome to my podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. And my stand-up tour is about to begin. Can I have my ball back? First stand-up tour in six years. Many of you just know me from the podcast. Don't know, I've done 14 or 15 stand-up tours in my own right. I'm a brilliant stand-up comedian. And can I have my ball back? I think it's my best show ever. That's what the audiences are saying. It's about testicular cancer, but it's funny because testicles are funny, even though cancer isn't. Uh, I'm really pleased with it. I'd love you to come and see it. Bring your friends. Some of the shows selling really well. Some of them selling really badly. It's a traditional Richard Herring tour. But here's where I'm going to be. 2nd of May, Thursday at the Luton Hat Factory. It's a small venue, but there are still tickets left. 3rd of May, I'm at the Berry Hedge End, which is near Southampton. That's looking more full, but still some availability. 8th of May, I'm at the Leicester Square Theatre. There's about 10 tickets left for that one, though I am back at the Leicester Square Theatre in June. And then I'm at St Albans on the 9th, Gloucester on the 10th. Chorley Little Theatre on the 11th, that's sold out, but you can join the waiting list. And then the 12th of May, I'm at Glasgow, afternoon show sold out. Evening show, extra show, put on, still with tickets. And then there's lots more. Go to richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs. And now enjoy whatever podcast I've given you. It's free. It's all for you. If you want to pay me back, buy a book, come and see a show. That's all I've got to say to you. Love you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, my fine friends. It's Boxing Day. Yes, it's a tedious time of year coming up the next week. And here at Rahalastapa, Rahalastapa, stop saying that, you people over there. We are going to help you through the next few days by releasing some fantastic best of episodes from this year's Rahalastapa. 2023, Ben Evans, not that one, the son of Chris Evans, not that one, has gone through every single podcast we've done this year to bring you the absolute creme de la creme of uh, the funny stuff, the serious stuff, the bits that really worked. Let's face it, we should do it with every episode, but it's fun to put in the bits that don't work as well, isn't it? But imagine episodes with only the good bits, how good they're going to be. So today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day and New Year's Day, you're going to get five best of shows with some of the greatest comedians and personalities in the United Kingdom that will do it for the money. Anyway, this is the first episode and 
My first guest that we're going to meet in this episode is the marvellous Sarah Keyworth. If you uh, were going to be put in a human centipede, <laughs> but the person uh, who was doing it was nice and said, I'll let you choose who's... Uh, you're in the middle. I'll let you choose who's on either end. Do you, Do you think that's nice? I think it's, you know, it's nicer than not letting you choose, isn't it? I don't think I'd want the choice. Okay. If it's going to happen, just send anyone in. <laughs> okay. Because then they... it's weird, isn't it? Like, if I pick a mate, <laughs> we're not going to be friends after that, are we? No. So do I can choose anyone? You can choose anyone. One's in front and one's behind. So one, you're, you're attached to... Your mouth's attached to their anus and then I someone behind you. I presume most people, when answering this question, try and think of the person who would have the most the cleanest most nutritious shit they do a lot of people do think about that who would that person be for you because you know i think all shit's pretty horrible <laughs> yeah and no, i'm not saying i've had good shit I'm, not saying, <laughs> I'm just trying to remember when the best shit i've eaten is um it's a real know. sliding doors moment this is a sliding doors moment I don't, I don't i don't know um what have you eaten today um i wouldn't i definitely wouldn't <laughs> put me anywhere you, would, you don't know what's... It's awful what's coming out of me. Well, this is interesting, isn't it? Because you want to pick somebody clean, very relatively sort of clean eating at the t- in front of you. But then you can pick the worst person in the world. You can yeah, pick an enemy. Exactly. But, but would you want your enemy's mouth on your anus? Yeah. That's, you would. That really would. That'd you be would. exciting. Oh, I'd like anyone's mouth on my anus at my age. Yeah. And nobody's. I'd like anybody's my mouth on my end. No one's. I'm 55. No one's getting close to that anymore. You don't want it sewn on, though, do you? <laughs> well, it's something. <laughs> Some human contacts. <laughs> well, okay. Well, if you put it like that, I suppose I don't know because you, you, what you're thinking about is in terms of like quality. It's nice to just spend time with people, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Maybe a friend of mine I haven't seen in a few years or something. Um, <laughs> Uh, I got a mate that's living in Australia. So yeah, <laughs> to see get perhaps she I, I, shit in my mouth. Are you just thinking in a way of saving some airfare? Yeah, to meet up is like surprise, good. surprise. But yeah, well, you know, we haven't seen each other in a while. You can uh, the scientists will fly you over. There's one, one yeah. little catch. It's a good excuse to spend some time together. <laughs> but we yeah. will be to- for free. We'll be yeah. together. <laughs> just the idea of oh, but you know, come on over. Yeah, you will have your mouth attached to my anus. Yes, you this not is coming? a great idea. Yeah. Also, because I know lots of people who, when they do sort of long haul flights or go to different places, they don't shit for a few days. Yeah. So, yeah, all right. Get them up front. I'll choose my friend who's who lives in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping they'll be. Have, and it'd be uh, lovely be to see them. Yeah. To see them. Yeah. Ideally, my constipated my friend who's been on a long haul flight, who's only eaten the sort of horrible airplane yeah. food and things like that. Because also, you know, what really is that? That'll probably be still intact by the time it gets to me. <laughs> now you're disgusted. <laughs> I um, think at worst it'll just be like eating a, a cheese string that you haven't pulled the strings. Yes. Off. Yes. That's true. And Do you think you'd be able to, if your mouth was sewn to your friend's anus? They'd obviously be able to talk because their mouth was through it. Do you think you'd be able to communicate? And do you think maybe that... Because I don't know whether you'd be able... It's hard to know, isn't it? But maybe just by... They'd the vibrations it. would be enough to... Because, you know, like, if you, if you put your fingers in your ear and talk, you can still hear your, yourself. Like you're underwater, yeah. yeah. So do you think you're suggesting that they would be able to hear 
or sort of intuit what I'm saying sort of like through the vibrations up up their anal cavity. Yeah, I think it might be like uh, two tins with a string in between. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be... Um, yeah, I imagine so. It's never, we've never gone this deep into this question before, I have to say. Well, we have gone Mostly very, people very just, deep. Most um, people just... Pick a couple of names. Pick and move on as quickly as possible. But it's much better by... Uh, How by long doing... are you sewn in for? Or is it a, I mean, I think... It's a permanent you, thing. I, I think it's until uh, death or rescue. Oh, right, OK. You know, I don't think... I mean, right. I don't know, because you've still got your head. I mean, I've never seen the film. It sounds disgusting to me. No, I, I've it never. It doesn't appeal it does to me. It sounds unpleasant. Yeah. It's a very unpleasant idea. I, I wouldn't even like to talk about it, let alone watch it. Yeah. But if you've got your arms, you've got your hands free, presumably, you could just get some scissors and cut a bit of... I can't imagine they If you had to free, free your mouth from the anus of your friend, mm. would you cut off your lips or would you cut off their anus? Well, I'd obviously cut off their anus. Okay, yeah. But then again, that's rude, isn't it? They've travelled all this way. <laughs> um, I don't know, mate. Uh, it's, it's... Maybe did one of each. No, because then I'd still be... <laughs> half an anus and half a lip. So you, would, I, you'd have half, I... you could have one a lower lip and a top lips and anus. But then do I have to half live the rest anus. of my life with their anus on my lips? I mean, that, possibly, but probably the hospital would sort that out. Oh, okay. If you escape, you know. I, you know, it's... It's a hypothetical question in some way. But it is worth thinking about. <laughs> it is worth... It's good to have a plan. It's worth working out what you're going to do. That was Sarah Keyworth. Coming up next, someone I once ate a pizza quite near in Shepherd's Bush and a fantastic comedian. It is Rich Hall. Do you think your obituary photo has already been taken, Rich Hall, or do you think it's yet to come? And what do you think your obit- the photo of your... Seeing you're an obituary man... What do you think? Oh, which photo do you think they'll use in your obituary? Um, no, if it's, if it's I, been taken. Nah, I don't think it has. No, no. You think the best is yet to come? Is the, is what you're saying really? There. No, so. no. I think they'll, they'll they'll just go pull something off Google when they <laughs> kick <laughs> the bucket. Instagram. It probably won't even be me. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be embarrassing, right? They yeah. took the wrong picture in your obituary photo. Yeah. You know, or even worse, Mo Sizlak. They could put that in there. They could put that in there in a second. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess they well, were me and then Mo. Yeah. Uh, oh, so God, what? What is this? How, how did? How did it end? How did Mo from The Simpsons end up with your face? I. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not even exactly sure. Um, <laughs> I worked with uh, with Harry Shearer on Saturday Night Live, and yeah. he used to do a great impression of me, right. but he could do impressions of a lot of people. And he would come around and he would do an impression of me. Uh, uh, I also worked with um, uh, a couple other writers who went on to um, write a lot of Simpsons. But Harry doesn't do the Moses like voice. It was, right. is, is it Hank Azaria? Is yeah, it, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I think that Harry Shearer just went, why don't you make it sound like Rich Hall? <laughs> and uh, he went, yeah, I could do Rich Hall because Hank Azaria can do anybody, right? And... Uh, so they just kind of ended up going, just make it sound like Rich Hall. <laughs> you know, kind of Rich Hall. And somehow that, I also think there might be some physical resemblance. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, a couple Halloweens ago, I went out as Mo with my kid. <laughs> and uh, it was pretty impressive. I, I, it was pretty good. Yeah. My kid painted me yellow, and uh, <laughs> I, I had a tray and the, the, the apron, and I walked around with the, the, the beer, you know. Yeah. And... Uh, it, 
Yeah. I mean, it's a weird... Because those cartoons will be shown... I think they'll probably still be going in 50 years' time, maybe, you know. Yeah. That that's whatever, you know, probably beyond the time that anyone's going to remember Rich Hall or anything Rich yeah. Hall did. Yes. 50, 100 years' time. I'm not, I'm not, I know. I'm, you know, hopefully some people... And again, uh, if I cared about money, I'd be demanding a shitload of royalties <laughs> yeah. for, for image likeness, but I, I don't... I don't care. I'm honored. I, only because Moe's pretty fucking funny. Yeah. You know? He's, he makes me laugh. <laughs> He's also based actually on Red's Bar, which was the, a tavern in New Jersey. All that, um, that old joke, uh, Red would get these calls from people oh, going, right. you know, yeah. going, hey, 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 I'm looking for Amanda. <laughs> Who? Amanda. Amanda, hug me. <laughs> and he fell for it. The, these tapes exist. Right. The, the, yeah, you can find them. And he'd fall for it every time, Red. Yeah. I'm looking for Amanda. Hug me. Oh, you son of a bitch. Hit <laughs> I'll kill you. I'll rip your liver out. That, that, it's kind of a, a combination of those two things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, ben Moore, who's a fantastic uh, English sort of performance comedian uh, actor. But the film Arthur Christmas, which you're actually also in as a yeah. voice. Yeah. Uh, is based on him as a young... They, they took a photo of him as a young man and mate, and Arthur Christmas is him as a young man. Really? But, yeah, but he never got uh, paid. I mean, I keep on saying to him, you should... They, they should have paid you for that. Because yeah. they've taken your image and they've used you. But I think, again, he sees it as being just a nice thing to happen. Yeah. But yeah. that's an odd... I mean, that's going to be a big... You know, that's a big thing, people taking people's image and doing other things with it. It's going to... You know, probably this might not happen to you, Rich, but they can... They can put you in porn films things I know, now. I know. So they, someone could take that image and put you in a in a porn film against your will. So that's a big question, isn't it? Ethical you, question. You mean now in yeah. my current? Yeah, they could take. That's scary. <laughs> uh, a younger rich, I wouldn't mind seeing. Yeah, yeah. They could sort of image me in a younger. I, yeah. I could. I could enjoy that vicariously. Yeah. <laughs> well, that might be there. No, that might all be part of it. Yeah, both of us. I, I, I would see myself in a porn film thirty years ago. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I'm like, Wow. Oh, God, my feet. Uh, you know what? My feet would be dirty. Remember early porn? They yeah. fucking didn't wash their feet. That was that really ruined it for me. Like I, there was a lot of dirty feet in the early days of yeah. porn. And you just go, oh, man, I'm, this, you know, I'm trying to follow the plot, but fucking... Like... <laughs> That was Rich Hall. Now let's hear from the brilliant Sakisa. So, Sakisa. Yes. It's, uh, there's a lot of things about your name. The Sakisa is uh, quite an unusual name. Is that, is, that, is that only you that's got that there, name? There is only me with this very weird name. I've Googled it. I've looked it up. If you try and Google my name, weird words come up around it. <laughs> no one has this name. I have no idea. My mum basically told me that she found my name in a book about African kings and queens. And I asked her what was the name of the book, and she doesn't remember, <laughs> and she can't find it. And that doesn't help my cause. And I generally feel like she made it up. Um, I feel like she made it up in a game of Scrabble. <laughs> That's why I feel like she was like, mm, words, does that make a good point? <laughs> um, uh, but Pete, when I tell people my name, uh, especially people that are originated from Africa, they tell me it means different things in their language. Okay. So apparently, like, my mum tells me that it means faithful. Someone told me it means blessed. 
Someone else shouted at me or heckled me during a show when I said my name and said it means pussy in my language. Um, <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't help my cause. <laughs> so, yeah, it just, it's a very unique name, but obviously no one has this name, so I'm very original on the circuit, if you want to yeah, call it. And then you can go by one name, which is a fantastic. Yeah. Thing. Which is what I really love. People are always like, why don't you not use your surname? I'm like, it's too fucking long. Um, <laughs> it's a double barrel name, and everyone messes up with my first name anyway. Yeah. So then having to deal with the rest of my surname <laughs> is just like, oh, we don't need to do that. Well, and also, like, I grew up watching, like, I always wanted to be, like, a little, like, music video person. I wanted to be a pop star. So yeah. I always wanted to be, like, the like Beyonce and, yeah. like, Britney Spears and J- Janet Jackson. So my thing was like, let's just have one name like Madonna and stuff like that. Just be like the star. Um, so yeah, it's a fantastic showbiz name. But you also go by the name Twix. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I go by the name Twix. Um, a lot of my comic friends still call me Twix, okay. which was the name I started out on the circuit on, um, because Sakisa was a a unique name, people are going to mess it up. So I just didn't want to hassle. So I just started calling myself Twix, like the chocolate, which is a nickname I got in law school, um, along with a few other friends um, that I met at law school, including my best friend. um, And they all have nicknames because our tutor told us we kept bringing... So we wasn't paying attention in law school. (laughs) um, And we kept bringing in chocolates every day to law school. And our tutor just said to us, why don't you just call yourself the Chocolate Girls? Wow. Uh, For those who are listening, I am black. uh, (laughs) And so are my two other friends. And I don't think she meant it in that kind of racist way. (laughs) And there was also like another girl who was white. Yeah, this white chocolate as well, though. white (laughs) chocolate. So we all named ourselves like a chocolate that represents us. Um, And it was a problem with the white girl... Um, because we didn't know what to call her, um, because there's not really many chocolates that are decent, that are white. Um, That sounds really bad on this podcast. (laughs) I can't believe you got so racist again. What's what's wrong with the Milky Bar? (laughs) (laughs) Well, her boyfriend was called Milky Bar, so So I'm called Twix because I'm a Gemini. Okay, uh, there's two. Yes, Gemini's in the house. Yes, we are the best, um, even though we're crazy. Um, so I'm called so Twix because I'm a Gemini. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to say that I'm not called Twix because I like two fingers. Yeah. I prefer Kit Kat. <laughs> and I don't like to take breaks. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's just a nice way for people to remember me. My best friend is called Snickers because she likes chocolate-covered nuts. Um, and then my other friend is called Cadbury's Caramel Um, so we all named each other after chocolate represents us and they both have babies so we now have got like baby like mini like fun size fun size celebrities (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to work out what I would be I eat a lot when I'm eating chocolate I'm trying to stop eating it because I can't stop eating it so I have to stop eating it what would be your chocolate of choice? I eat a lot of giant chocolate Cadbury buttons the giant ones because like, that's what the kids have, and that's all that's in the house. So oh, I just is eat. it? They're very so like... I eat all their chocolate, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, they're just very like big, yeah. but also just like chocolate. Yeah. Like there's nothing special about it. And I can't call you buttons. That just sounds really weird. Giant, giant buttons. Giant, giant buttons. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds even weirder. It might, it might have to be giant button now after what I've been yeah. through. Uh, so. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's not even worse. Sakisa there. And another very fine comedian to follow her. It's Paul Chowdhury. What's the worst experience you've ever had in a hotel? There must be a lot of bad hotels. Oh, yeah. What's the, what's the worst thing I actually happened? filmed the hotels and put them online. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I've uh, just uh, I've walked in the, uh, but this tour. I, there's so many. If you asked me this earlier, I would have had to try and pick one. Yeah. Uh, one time I remember um, they went to the toilet and then I shut the lid and the whole toilet just exploded. Oh, wow. The porcelain just smashed. Right. And then there's just water all over the floor, and and then you'd call the wrist, went to reception that it's broken. They said we'll sort it out after you check out. Right. <laughs> so you got to then you know work around the just use the floor. <laughs> That's pretty bad. When you tour, what kind of level of hotels are you staying at? Oh, uh, one star. Yeah. Could you one. keep it cheap on the? Yeah, one. one Even star. when you're selling out these big venues, you think I'm going to go? Yeah. Never be a sellout. Right. You sell out rooms, but don't be a sellout. Okay. So that's the trick is it keeps you humble. Yeah. So you remain in... I've stayed in the biggest shitholes in England <laughs> um, because you want to stay true to your craft. <laughs> I'm like... Um, who's that guy that Johnny Depp played in that? Uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, yeah. I take that approach to my comedy. I was going to say Willy Wonka. I was going to yeah. be my guess. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't. I'll only live in a massive chocolate factory. (laughs) I find the massive chocolate factory in every town, and that's where I stay. And if there are no one plumpers, I'm out. So I take the um, the Hunter S. Thompson approach to, uh, you know, I I keep it real. I stay in places that are haunted. Uh, You know, shit stains on the bed sheets. Generally... I mean, that's after you've been in there, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it real by wiping my ass in the bed. Yeah. I mean, they're dirty places, hotels. They can't, oh. they're, they're going to be dirty anyway, even if they... Filth. Even if they make an effort to clean them, there's, there's stuff that's happened. Every hotel room you've been in, something disgusting yeah, has e- happened. Even when you call the local uh, working individual to your room. Yeah. Because you can't use the other terms now, or it's yeah. working person to your room and then they see the room they're like fuck the assigned staying in <laughs> it's like the film Mona Lisa yeah. with Bob Hoskins yeah. and Kathy Tyson yeah. do you remember that I do the, the, I don't think the reference is too old for this it's a long uh, way back that's where you give away your age yeah. you, know, you look young <laughs> and then suddenly referencing very old movies um, that's why I stay in shitholes yeah to stay in touch to stay in touch with the people yeah. When you go downstairs and you go to reception, you see the drunk, degenerate human beings that you think the most depraved dregs of society yeah. are in that hotel. And then you go and do the show in the evening and they're in the front row. <laughs> That's why I do it. You know, I want yeah. to stay real. I know. I've stayed in some... I used to stay in some very, very bad hotels. And it, you just come to the point where you're slightly afraid for your life, though, if you stay That's in. what I like. And I like yeah. taking the tour manager there. Yeah. And, you know, the tour manager is somebody who drives you and he says... And, and they're in the same hotel as me. Some people, they st- get, put them in the yeah. shitholes and then they, the, the act stays in the... I don't yeah, do but I that. don't think it's better for the tour manager if you stay in the shit. <laughs> That's <laughs> not going... Oh, yeah, Paul Chowdhury's great. He put me in the shit hotel, but he stayed there as well. Yeah. What they want is to go... I st- I've toured with Richard Terry. He put me in a nice hotel with him. They don't want, they don't want to go... 
They don't think you're the great guy. They think I'm the great guy. It's the guy who goes to the nice hotel and puts the tour manager in the shithole. It's no, but it's no different for the tour manager. If he's in the shithole and you're in the shithole, he's still in the shithole. Yep, yeah, we're sharing a room. <laughs> <laughs> that really saves some money. It saves a lot of money if you get, just get... Uh... Two people in one room, 15 quid a night. What's the lowest you've paid for... Uh... 15 quid a night's the lowest I've paid for bed and breakfast. Yes, 50 quid last week. 15. Oh, 15 quid? Yeah. What, was that in, in 1932? Was, no, it was, it was probably 14 years ago. Um, and it was, there was nowhere else available. I got, my car broke down and I had to stay in Lincoln, I think. And I got a room above a pub. And the door had recently been kicked in and not really been mended. <laughs> and there was, the bed was horrible and there was just noise shouting from other rooms all night long. I didn't, I didn't even take the breakfast. I just got out as soon was as... Was this I, a hotel or an asylum? I mean, it, it was like an asylum. But it was only 15 quid, and I didn't get killed well, or raped. It's worth so. it, then. Can you give me the details? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a fast <laughs> And I stayed... Uh, probably the, the, the famous hotel in Swansea that I didn't end up staying in because I managed to get a lift home where the toilet was in the same room as the bed. Oh. Uh, uh, I think that was about £20. That's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. It's, yeah. uh... I mean, it's all right if you're on your own to just have the toilet. You know, so it's romantic if you go to a hotel and the bath's in the bedroom, but yeah. it's not so romantic if the toilet's in the... <laughs> just, the it was the... in, like, an alcove, but, but some it didn't hotel... have any door on it, that sort of stuff. But some, to- some hotels, the toilet is the bath. Yeah. So you can, you, you can use it for both yeah. situations. I mean, everything in, everything in any hotel room has been used as a toilet. Yeah. At some point. So but, the bath has... The, the kettle has definitely been used as a toilet. Definitely yeah. has. Definitely has. The Nespresso machine has been used as a toilet. Well, I did uh, a tour date recently, and uh, Johnny Rotten was in the same room. And right. I, I opened the kettle, and it was all bits of... Um, bits of tea bag in the kettle, because... I'm like, what, what's happened to the kettle? And they said, oh, Johnny Rotten was here yesterday. So he puts the tea bag in the kettle right. and boils the water. Right. So he uses a teapot. He uses the kettle as a teapot. As a teapot, because he's a sex, you know, like he, he, that's the kind of thing the Sex Pistols. Yeah, and do. that's re- that's rock and roll when yeah. he's seventy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was the Antichrist back then, uh, and uh, he'd use the F word in yeah. a in a mainstream interview. It was just controversial. Now it's tea bags in. I mean, that is worse than the F word, in my opinion. Yeah, I was very offended by that. But it's also like the tea's going to be horrible, isn't it, if you boil it with the tea? The ke- well, that's It's got to be boiling what you put the tea bag in. You can't boil the water from cold no. with the tea bag in it. That's what you did. Fucking idiot. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have had him on the show, but I'm not going to do but it. But he does a Q&A thing now. Right. So um, it's not... It's a little jump goes into, like... Marty Pello, everyone's doing these tours now, aren't they, where right. they're not actually doing their act. They're just talking about their careers, yeah. which no one gives a shit about. It's a bit like... It's like this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a bit like this. Lovely Paul Chowdhury. You don't hear that said about him very often. <laughs> and we're now coming up to some adverts. They, these people have helped pay for the podcast during the year, meaning we can keep making more podcasts. So do listen to these ads while we're doing ads. Do remember to come and see me on tour, richardherring.com slash Rahalastapur. If you want to see Rahalastapur in 2024, richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour. If you want to see my return to stand-up after five or six years, depending on which way you look at it. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Thank you to our advertisers. Next coming up, the daughter of the woman that I am going to marry. It's Sophie Ellis-Bexter. The first thing I say, your first band was called The the Audience, which I don't really want to talk about much beyond. (laughs) It's really confusing in the book, even though... What, calling it The Audience? Well, because it's called The Audience, and you keep saying, I was in The Audience. You go, what? Why were you in The Audience? You know what? I knew that was stupid at the time. (laughs) Yeah. I knew it, but... You know, there were like five of us, so. <laughs> I mean, it's, I love it because it's exactly like a sort of teenage, hey, let's, like, we're the band, but let's call, like, we're all part of the, so we're not better than the audience, let's call ourselves the audience. Won't it be confusing when we, when we say no, the no, audience? It was worse we're... than that, Richard, because it was actually the audience spelled all one word. <laughs> so people were like, Theo, audience? I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was stupid. I do think... If you're going to call anything, it shouldn't really need, like, an explanation before you say the name or after, should it? No. It should just be. And, um, I yeah, mean, even, though you explain, even though you explain the book, when I listen to the audiobook, every time it comes up, I was still oh, confused. I'm sorry. It's all right, no, sorry. It's good. And then it made Maybe me laugh every time. <laughs> the audience, just something just to, like, jolt you out of that. No, it's good. It was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was funny. But it, the, the story of, the, of, of you, it's one of those, uh, it's like a sliding doors moment, isn't it, with your dad, Peter Howitt? Um, <laughs> you getting the, the CD, uh, and because oh, yeah. you, you, you sort of saw yourself as an indie indie performer and weren't interested in, in working with the... the dance music the at dance all. dance music. Yeah, because I think, I mean, now we're, we're really used to the fact that people can, you know, hop between different genres. That's completely yeah. normal. But in the 90s, things were not this way. You know, you, you nailed your colours to that master and I was very much an indie kid. You know, Melody Maker, Enemy Every Week. Knew all those bands. They were all over my wall in my bedroom. So when the audience... Sorry, the band. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Split the audience when they split up. Um, yeah, I was I was high and dry, but the idea of moving into a different genre just wasn't in, in my head at all. Yeah. So when I was sent this instrumental track with a view to potentially singing um, on it, I was actually insulted. <laughs> it's quite insulted. I'm an indie kid. Why on earth you sent me a dance track? And also that was like a different world, like the house scene that was just breaking out into being more mainstream. That was still something that was mainly people going to Ibiza and 
Mm. You know, that was where it was. And um, so it was all a completely, like, new world opened up once I said, actually, you know what, I'm going to do this track because there's something about it I like and I think maybe it's good for me to do something that's other and it'll just be my own thing and the music press on that side of it where even though I've done it, I'll just go and do it for me. And then it just took me on this incredible ride, showing yeah. me a whole, whole new landscape. And you threw the CD, the bit in the book you talk about, you listened to oh, the yeah. CD and you threw it across the room because you did. weren't interested and then found it later and thought, oh, I'll have another listen. Well, it wasn't, I didn't remember what it was. It was blank. <laughs> so I was tidying up and I just found this CD. I'm like, what's that? And I put it in and I thought, actually, there's something I quite like, actually. Yeah. I like it. I mean, do you, do you, there's a, there's, in the Beatles story, there's this moment of where Paul McCartney, where they come back from Hamburg and Paul McCartney goes back to his job and then gets offered a promotion, but then the Beatles, the other Beatles, they haven't performed together a bit, and they say we're doing a thing, we're doing a lunchtime show at the Cavern, but you'll have to quit your job to come and do it. And I often wonder about the universe where Paul McCartney decides he'll take the promotion. Oh yeah. And what and how different? And I'm not yes. saying you that your music. I'm not saying Beatles. your music has been as influential as <laughs> Paul McCartney's. But no, if you, you if even you remember hadn't, what it was called at the beginning. But if you if you <laughs> if you hadn't picked up that CD a second time, yes. Do you think? Do you think, I mean, I think that that song was so instrumental in in sort of the wow. direction you were going to go in, anyway. Maybe Groove Jet is my promotion. Maybe I should yeah. have kept it in the bin. Maybe. Who knows what would have happened well, in yeah, the let's universe? Imagine that, let's imagine that world. <laughs> let's imagine the world where Paul let's McCartney imagine. took the job. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated but by no, things yeah, like think, that. Yeah, you do have like moments that are really pivotal, yeah. and um, yeah, every everything changed with that song. So it's. It's the song that taught me the most. And before it was even a hit, actually, before it even did well, um, it was already really significant to me because it was about a change in my mindset as well of just thinking, actually, I'm the person who's making the rules here, so if I want to do that song, I can completely do that song. And just having this adventure away from things. And I, when the song came out, my manager at the time said, oh, I wish you all the best, but I can't manage you anymore. So actually, when it charted, I didn't have a manager, I didn't have a record label. So it was kind of... Crazy and really stressful, but also yeah. really exciting because it was just brilliant to be doing something again and had this momentum and to think, and oh, you, what you next? Was, you sort of had a, a chart battle against Posh Spice. <laughs> yes. It's so <laughs> funny to think of that now. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy intense. Wow. So basically, Victoria Beckham was the last of the Spice Girls to release a solo single and all of the others had had number ones. So there was a lot of pressure on Victoria to have a number one with this song called Out of Your Mind that she did with um, Dane Bowers. Yes. Yes. And you beat her. Well, the song did better, yeah. yeah. It, but it was really crazy, actually, um, because the song All, in, all Week in the Midweeks was behind um, her song. Oh, it's the True Steppers. That's right. True Steppers and Dane Bowers who did the song with. And all week we were behind them and it was getting closer and closer till on the last midweek there was only 500 sales between them being number one and um, Spiller and I at number two. And then it went quiet on the Saturday, and I thought, oh, maybe I should just pop to Woolworths and buy it. What if there's only one single in it, and it was, and I'm the one? And I thought, no, I can't do it. I've never bought my own music. I'm not going to start now. And I went home. And then the next day, we'd sold 20,000 more copies on that Saturday, which Amazing. is bonkers. And it was really exciting. And because I'd come from a band that had been dropped and, you know, being high and dry, I just really tried to take everything in. Because I knew at the time, like, that, it was, that doesn't happen very often in anyone's life. So I was like, okay. Yeah. Try and remember it all. Lovely to get Sophie on, of course. Even more lovely, perhaps, to see the return of someone we thought would never come back. The marvellous Stephen Merchant. 
Will you please welcome the incredible Stephen Merchant, ladies and gentlemen. Stephen Merchant. Thank you. Come in, pick up the... There's a mic. Ah, beautiful. Stephen Merchant. Thank you very much for we, having me. That's Well, look, thank you. Thank you for coming. I think everyone wants to thank you for coming back. Well, we're already off to a good start. You, <laughs> you didn't introduce me as a paedophile. <laughs> so that's a win as far as I'm concerned. That's one up. What's that, sir? It's one, it's one up, isn't it? Yeah, one up on last. I want to apologise. I, I was a very immature, young, 46-year-old man when you yeah. last came on. And now I am 55 and I'm a lot more mature. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, hope we, I, did a, I did a podcast recently with Sally Phillips, who I used to go out with, and we split up and it was a little bit difficult and then she came and did a podcast and it was a reconciliation so oh that's nice so I'm hoping that this will yeah would be similar why did you and Sally break up <laughs> did you call her a paedophile and then <laughs> and then insult some of her work and generally make the atmosphere strange or pretty much it's pretty much pretty can I ask you what your perception is of our last encounter? Because I'm interested to know what your take is. Well, I was... Because I've never listened to it, so I, I, don't have a, I don't have an objective opinion. I, I only think... have a sense memory of it. Yeah. We did cut some bits out, Rich Steve. Oh, yeah. did you? Right. <laughs> you cut out the awkward stuff, so it's about four minutes long. <laughs> so what is your memory of it? You seem to be... Why are you evading the question? <laughs> I well look, I, I that night, very unusually, we recorded two podcasts in the same night, and uh, Simon Pegg was the other guest you may remember, which was so it was yes. quite a big deal. We had two big yeah. Hollywood superstars. Yeah. I'm being nice. <laughs> One of whom, no, uh, <laughs> and I was really worried about upsetting Simon because I thought he, uh, you know, you and I spent a bit of time at gigs and stuff, and I was wor- I hadn't seen Simon for a while. And I was worried about being inappropriate with him. Yeah. And so I'd concentrate really hard on being, <laughs> being good with him. And then you came on and uh, I don't know what happened. I kind of lost, yeah. lost my mind a little bit. That's it, is it? Yeah. That's, that's, I think, I think that's, was, that's the apology, is it? <laughs> there, was, there was also a joke I think you took the wrong way that I meant to, as a joke against myself, which I think you... I think that was, that was one of the moments it sort of... It turned a bit. Let me tell so you. Are you my... just trying to bring it up again, and so we have? Let me tell you my perception. Yeah, okay, you give me your. My feeling was that I had gone back to stand-up comedy after a long time, and I yeah. and you were very, very supportive in that. And I nice saw time. you on the comedy scene, and you were very helpful, and we even had lunch with me one time, and you gave me lots of good tips and clubs to try out material and things like that. And then you said, "Would you come down and do my <laughs> podcast?" And I had nothing to promote, and I had no reason to come. Other than being, you know, thanking you, in a sense, for your <laughs> generous help with, with yeah. the return to stand-up. <laughs> and so I, you know, tooled down, <laughs> thinking this will be a nice, fun showbiz chat. And then you just went really weird. <laughs> and, and sort of, it was odd. And, I, and, then, and then I think you were, then we came off, and you, you sensed that there was an energy. <laughs> And then you said, oh, sometimes when I'm on stage, I play a character. <laughs> and I thought, oh, do you fucking Ali G? Because <laughs> you didn't mention it to me beforehand. 
And this character is very similar to you. <laughs> no funny voices. So, inevitably, it just it was a strange encounter. It was a strange for, encounter. For, for I me. felt very bad. I don't like to upset guests. Well. It's happened a couple... <laughs> It's happened a couple of times. We might yeah. talk about one of the other guests later. Um, but and I felt very bad for about a week, and then I got over it. Yeah, That's yeah. fine. <laughs> Are we going to be okay for the rest oh, of this I, one? Oh, listen, please, I haven't thought about it since. <laughs> <laughs> so, which, which of my projects do you want to slag off to start with, or do you... Stephen Merchant there, he came back with mainly good grace. <laughs> I love to see him again. As it was to see another one of my favourite comedians, the terrific Fern Brady. So, so a lot of autistic girls, um, they don't get diagnosed because uh, their teachers just think they're clever. And then any weird little things that they do, that's just them being eccentric and clever. So I did a lot of odd things when um, from early on that was like really obviously autistic stuff. Like, I didn't want to be friends with anyone in the playground. I was best friends with a tree. Um, I had... I had my mum has, like, drawings of me, like, patting the tree, uh, say, talking to it and stuff. Like, I just wasn't interested in other children. Uh, but the school thought that it meant um, I was a genius, and they put me into this, like, child's genius class that was two years above the class I was meant to be in. And on my first day, they asked me the difference between a vowel and a consonant, and I just shat myself in my seat. <laughs> and then after that, it was back in, uh, back in with the plebs. <laughs> and my parents never really got over that. They were always, like, saying, you're supposed to be clever. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. There was another time they, they were going on about how clever I was, and then they said, I just picked up a big... In Scotland, you used to get buckets of jam <laughs> if there's any scottish people in can you back me up on this because it sounds mad uh i got the bucket of jam at the breakfast table and then i just tipped it over my head and my parents were like why is she doing things like that so i do a lot of that in yeah. silence and yet wasn't diagnosed autistic <laughs> but any if there's any autistics in the audience i don't want you to think i'm saying that's an autistic trait is putting jam <laughs> on your head making a balls of this. <laughs> Listen, they gave me media training last week um, right. <laughs> at the publishers uh, and I tried to listen back to a recording before I came here but it's, the recording's not working so that's why I'm coming out with all this. It's it's all it's very good and you be you because uh, that's the, you know the, that's what I think is is important about this book and, and there's a lot of things that are important about it. I think I'd really recommend it because it is you know, it's an important way to understand a bit about autism. I think people will identify with elements of that because there there are elements that everyone has of of social awkwardness and or you know of, of making mistakes and and but it, but there's so much more to it mm -hmm. in terms of and the the violence of it. You know the, the 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 episodes you have where you're smashing your own kitchen up because you're frustrated or. Yeah, you know, that was how over, I got... Over, overstimulated. Yeah, that was how I got... Well, that was the worst bit to write about. When I was writing that, I was like, this is really going to stop me from ever getting to host this morning. <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, the way I got diagnosed was I was having uh, meltdowns because I was working really hard to um, cover my autistic traits when I was out and about at work. So, like, I hate 
hugging people, but if you don't hug TV producers, then they won't book you for stuff. Um, or like a lot of the time people want to like kiss you on the cheeks at work meetings and yeah. I'd sort of flinch. So I started covering up all the things I was uncomfortable with. And then I was like, I don't know why as soon as I get home from meetings, I just start punching a cupboard. Uh, <laughs> and then when I got diagnosed, I found out that those two things were linked and I had to stop um, masking my autistic traits to but otherwise I would have a very stressful life. There was another thing I was going to say to you. Yeah. As you were talking there. Oh, God, it's gone. It's gone. Oh, yeah. So, I don't want any... Like, because a lot of you are like, well, what does this have to do with me? I'm not autistic. I'm not interested in this at all. I did also write it just for anyone interested in communication or being socially awkward. I'm pretty obsessed with outsiders, so pretty much, like, all the way through the book... You've got settings where outsiders are, like when I was in the mental unit, then when I was in the strip club, and then comedy. Yeah. It's like <laughs> the best place for being around <laughs> other mentally ill people. Um, well, and... it's interesting that you know that, that it's that it was it's difficult to do other jobs for for all these reasons. But then, mm. but then when you discover when you found comedy, not only mm. did it feel right for you and amazing for you, but mm. you you are like amongst your people. It's why I love being a comedian because it is. You know, there, there's a lot of a lot of different types of people, but there, there's something about comedians where we we all kind of understand each other in general, I think, and recognise each other, and it's a it's a safe space to have. I mean, it's ideal for a comedian because because a, a yeah. comedian has to be observing the world and be honest about the world, and and that's what you're able to do. Yeah, is, is to yeah. really spot where things are. You know things that make you angry, things that make you upset, things that are just stupid. You 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 can just say you say you just say what you see. That's the thing. People treat honesty like it's a magic trick, and uh, I, I think in England as well, um, because a lot of people I know that um, aren't from England and come and live here say this: like English people communicate in a very indirect way. Um, and that can be confusing if you like to be direct with people because yep. that means your directness is taken as rudeness over and over again. So that's not even an autistic thing. That's just like <laughs> something that happens from living here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always been really interested in communicating as effectively as possible. Like I did journalism before I went into comedy. And when we went, when we were getting trained up for that, they used to teach us how to write really boring news stories to appeal to a sun reader. Uh, and that was a really good skill to have going into comedy because sometimes you want to communicate quite a complex thing uh, in the form of a joke. As I'm saying that, I'm just thinking of like all the dumb jokes I've done about cum and like, <laughs> boobs and stuff. And that's what I do in my comedy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I've always been interested in how to communicate really clearly and effectively. So then it's weird to get told that you're the one with disordered communication. Because there's a lot of pathologizing of autism, and I don't think it should be seen that way. I think it should just be seen in quite, a, quite neutral terms. That was Fern Brady. Now coming up, he's cheeky little chappy, Josh Widdicombe. My favourite bit was what you took to hospital when your first child was born. You took something with you. Do you remember what it was in the hope of... Uh, was it Great Expectations? It was the book of Great Expectations. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't got any further with it. That <laughs> you've never read before and you thought the time to get I into great expectations. Moment. I thought there'd be a lot of breastfeeding. <laughs> it, it wasn't w- even for the waiting. There might have been a bit of waiting around before the baby was born, but once the baby's born, you can't start reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> what else are you going to do? 
help with the go oh no but the, I thought I, no I know oh, that yeah. now yeah. I know that now but at the time I thought that I thought the first five years would be a lot of kind of daytime TV and yeah. TV and tea and biscuits and stuff time to catch up on time great to literature. catch up on great expectations <laughs> which I've read the first ten pages of it's shit <laughs> Do you like it? I studied for O-Level. Well, I'm going to earn, yeah, proper O-Level. Yeah. Uh, and I did quite like it, and I'm going to recommend, if you really want to have a go at it... Is there an abridged version? No, there's an Audible <laughs> audio oh, book. I go. love Audible. Read by Martin Jarvis from Rings oh, on yeah. Their Fingers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apart from one of the Jewish characters, which is a bit questionable, he's, very, he's extremely good. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's an extremely good uh, okay, reading good. of it. Okay. So give that a go with I'll one of your Audible credits. Currently... Reading an Audible book that is 40... Well, not reading, listening to an Audible book that's 42 hours long. Oh, is it The History of the World? No, get this. Okay. Uh, there was Simon's... No, that's... So it's the opposite of The History of the World. Right. So that is something that you'd allow 42 hours for. Yeah. It is a history of the United Kingdom from 1979 to 1982. <laughs> <laughs> so, you love those Thatcher, the early Thatcher years, want to catch up yeah, on? Yeah, but she's, I mean, she's, she comes and goes. There's a lot of other stuff as well. Um, I'm currently six hours in. It is good. Oh, wow, OK. I listened to that. That's, that's a three a year, a book about three years. 79, 80, Why? 81, 82, four years. Four years. Yeah. Um, it's... How can they make that 40 hours? That's like, you might as well, well just relive those four years. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still 25 hours off the Falklands War. Because um, I, I listened to that history podcast, The Rest is History. Yeah. And one of them wrote it, and I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I downloaded it without looking at the running time. <laughs> it's 900 pages in real life. Yeah. Yeah, what? A... Anyway, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, good. I mean, that's why you can't use up your Audible credits. Yeah. <laughs> that's... No one get through that many. Um, what was I going to say? I tried oh. Spare on Audible. Did you listen to Spare? Uh, no. Have you, is he not done your book club? I haven't. Uh, I, I thought I probably couldn't get Prince, Prince Harry after what I've said about his uncle. Um, <laughs> he doesn't like him. Uh, he does, does he not? Well, I don't know. Have you, have you listened to it? I gave up. Oh, really? Yeah, it's tough going. There's a bit where he sings your song that is flabbergasting. I've heard, I've heard that bit. Someone put that on Twitter. Yeah, I did hear yeah. that. I'm not on Twitter, so that was fresh. <laughs> yeah, but I gave up because there was four, five Five chapters in a row about learning to fly an Apache helicopter. Okay. Fuck off. <laughs> no one is here for that. It's like, turns into Bravo 2-0 and I was out. Right. Well, you know. He killed, he killed, uh, was 25, is it? How many, did he, what, what was his count? 25, 25 Taliban. 25 Taliban. Fighters. Good, you know. Well, but as Marina Hyde wrote, but they still won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, li- I chose the book that I chose that I thought I had a, an outside chance of getting on. Yeah. Was Matthew Perry's uh, autobiography. Oh, yeah. Have you which I think to that? is similarly probably written by someone who isn't very self aware. <laughs> I, I would say. say <laughs> I'd, I'd love to have a discussion with you about that when we're not being recorded and put online. Because I found his repetition that he was one of the funniest men in the world difficult to deal with. <laughs> Particularly considering how unfunny the fucking book was. <laughs> uh, but it's worth listening to again. I, I, you know, 
I mean, you don't know when you write your own books. You, you, you don't know how self-aware you are. You hope you're self-aware. But then you read some books and you get, this person does not know how they come across from their own, their own book. Yeah, yeah. Have I mean, ever... I often write books that I'm trying to make myself look bad. So I think that's different than most, the way yeah. most people write them. Yeah. Most so people... you want, I don't know what to say here. Because if I said, so you are quite self-aware, that would look <laughs> awful. <laughs> um, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? And then you have to do the audio book, and that's very confronting, yeah. I think. And I've heard a couple of stories about people I won't name who had their books ghost-written. Yes. And then got into the audio book, <laughs> reading, and went, oh, God, this is shit. <laughs> One of the people who's very well-respected and another who's not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But the one who's not's a lovely bloke. Yeah. Other who's well respected isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so there's something for everyone in those there anecdotes to tell you. He's never off the TV, is he, Josh Widdicombe? And there he was on my podcast too. And someone else who's never off my podcast. We took years to get him on, and now we can't get rid of him. It's the monkey himself, little Tim Keen. Do you think that? I mean, it might be true. How do we ever know for sure that the other people really exist? <sighs> Well, how do we know that we exist? It might be that they all exist and we don't. That could be true. Yeah. Do you think, I was talking to Josh Widdicombe about this backstage, mm. uh, that it just seems like unlikely that we would be alive at this particular time and place in humanity and in, entire, you know, in, in the broad sweep of things. It's a very nice time to be alive despite everything. Um, okay. Do you think we're living in a simulation and we're not real? Oh. Yeah. 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 Probably. Do, yeah. Do I you? Mean, you're certainly do treating this interview like nothing matters. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know what Federer says. What? If you can play as if it means nothing when it means everything, yeah, then you're onto something. I think it was Federer, and it might not be his exact quote. <laughs> AI have. Um, uh, there's a robot making poems that, yeah. are, that are my poems. Oh, really? Yeah. Are they as good as yours? Oh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to say no. <laughs> there's, a robot, there's a robot doing it. Is it? Yeah. And can people tell the difference? Richard. They're really similar to my poems. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm sure of is no AI could write a Tim Key the Monkey script. That is all I know. That I need, you need a human being to do that. I think that that's, that's the AI machine's warm-up, writing those things. <laughs> a man came up to me in the bar after a gig and said, yeah, I've made a robot. <laughs> and he writes poems. And they're your poems. And I said, how have you done that? And he said, I've inputted all of your poems that you've published. <laughs> and I go, well, go on then, let me see one. And he showed it to me, and I'm like looking at it pretty much in tears, just thinking, that... <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. They're better, they've got more punch to them. Right. <laughs> it's going to be interesting when... You know, well, listen, when you're talking happens. to someone who's, who went in, in my cafe last week, my local cafe, I was sat next to pretty much the worst combination of people you know, that you'll ever find. Someone from Netflix and a nerd. <laughs> and the nerd is, is explaining his, his new bit, bit of software. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're talking about... I mean, I don't know. These people are talking about getting machines to write, you know, shows, and then loads of shows, and then give them to people to read and go, yeah, probably make that one properly. 
That's what they're doing. Well, I the, think they're doing. I mean, I was like two tables away. <laughs> the good thing is that the people who decide which scripts are made will also eventually be replaced by robots making that decision. That's the good thing, yeah. So that is the, that's the reassuring thing. So those yeah. people also lose their jobs. As do a you result. think you could be replaced with a robot? I don't. I think what I do is too... <laughs> it's just too special. It's just too human. <laughs> it's too... You, you think, are a very human interviewer. I am. I don't think a robot could have this level of incompetence. <laughs> you, can't, you can't program them in, that in. No. Do you have any... Who, is your, who are your favourite interviewers that you look up to? Uh, I like... You know Adam Buxton? Oh, yeah, I like Adam, yeah. I like Adam Buxton. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, Michael Parkinson when he's not being sexist. So uh-huh. yeah. That's not that much of Michael Parkinson left, yeah. but the bits that are left yeah. are good. How, is, what is it, how sexist is he? I mean, you not did very... the stuff about the lady living inside a burrow inside another lady. <laughs> I mean... don't think that's sexist. Is that one of his? That's not sexist. That's very inclusive. He was... He... Sexy. No, sexy. Yeah, sexy. Yeah. He interviewed Helen Mirren about her too. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Well, I don't remember it, but I've seen it on I've YouTube. Yeah. I haven't interviewed you about your ball. I've interviewed you about my balls. That's how unsexist I am. I know. That's the, the beauty of you as an interviewer. Yeah. <laughs> it's very rare that you don't frame at least a couple of questions around your bollock. It's an interesting happening. It's nice when something interesting happens to you, isn't it, Tim? Um, what? what like the, ca- the cancer? Yeah, cancer. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is I nice. I felt alive. You know, happened. I felt alive. There was, when, if you have kids as well. I've just yeah. spent years with kids. Yeah. Family, and then last oh, something fucking interesting happens to me. Someone yeah. cut my bollock off. Yeah, I yeah. felt alive. Have you have you written a book about it? <laughs> yeah, have I you? Have, yeah, yeah. What's that called? It's called "Can I Have My Ball Back." That's it. Yeah. yeah thank you. I'm going to read that. You should. I've got your other one. Have you? What's the which one? Which other one have you got? The other book you wrote. Okay. <laughs> You're on a bike on the front of it. Oh yeah. Well, how not to grow up? How not to grow up? Yeah. yeah. That's from uh, that's when I was forty. Yeah. Not 40 anymore, are you, Richard? Oh, nearly, nearly 56. 56 now? Yeah. It's all, it's all passing by. 56, what do you reckon? Another 25? <laughs> I, you know, I'd be happy. I'd like, I, when I, two years ago, I thought, I, you know, the call comes in, you think, oh, maybe I've got like two months to live or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So all of this time is bonus time, Tim. Even this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's bonus time that I'm wasting. Yeah. <laughs> but what's your favourite way of spending time? <sighs> I'm just spending some time to think about what yeah. my favourite spending. T- uh, I like doing. I like this. I like stuff like this when yeah. Yeah, we're people are on stage I like this. And, and I and you don't know what's going to happen yeah. next. It is nice, like isn't it? That, yeah. I was looking forward to it when I was walking here. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you a cab next time. I like walking. Okay. I do 15,000 steps a day. Do you? Yeah. That's good. Tim Key the monkey, making us laugh, as will the marvellous Zoe Lyons. You talk about in your previous show, I was watching uh, on Next Up, uh, the entry-level human. Which yeah. Is a great, great show. But you talk about, uh, you know, getting older and... Uh, becoming sort of more independent. There's, there's a very funny routine about uh, about why Brexit's happened is because people just get older and want, want to be, be separate. Want to be yeah, separate. move away from other people. <laughs> yeah. Other people are horrific. Uh, yeah, which is which is well <laughs> worth watching. But I think you just do. You know, like I remember being in my twenties and the idea. You know, if I was like, sometimes occasionally I go on holiday on my own because it was the only yeah. only time I could get away. 
And I was too scared to go into restaurants on my own for the fear of looking... Yeah, I think that is a thing that comes with with a bit of age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you literally don't give a shit anymore. (laughs) Just don't give a shit. I sit there with food all around my face going, fuck it, I'm 50-odd. It doesn't matter, does it? I, I, I love. We were talking about this backstage. I like to. I love. I love going to a museum yep. or a, or a, or an arboretum. <laughs> I mean, I happily wander around trees on my own. I'll, you know, piss about in my anorak. I'm a lesbian. I love it. It's, it's I mean, my, I my natural habitat. I mean, sort of, you know, waterproof clothing and a sturdy boot, just looking at a giant redwood, and I'm very happy. I'm very happy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird existence, I think, anyway, as a stand-up, and the, the, the whole touring thing is, uh, you know, even if you've got, even if you're with a support actor and a tour manager, it's sort of very, still very lonely, and yeah. and and you've got this weird end of day thing where, or you know, in the middle of the evening, where you're the centre of attention and yeah, a few someone, hundred people around yeah. you, and then you go back, and to then you go back. To, I know it is really odd, isn't it? Yeah. I was in Newcastle uh, last week, and I was walking down one of the main streets in Newcastle, and Alan Carr walked towards me, and I went, Alan, and he went, Zoe, I went, what are you doing here? He went, Grimsby, I'm in Grimsby tonight, <laughs> and I said, I'd rather walk around Newcastle, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So we'd driven to Newcastle to avoid walking around Grimsby. <laughs> but we both had that slight mad look in our eyes and people were like, oh, somebody I know, you yeah. know, because it, yeah, it's really lonely. It just get, does get very lonely. I think the trick is to sort of break it, not do too many in a week. Yeah. So three or four maximo, otherwise you go absolute feral. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it is, you know, this was something we were talking about backstage, but I think it just is, the travel is so... Is so Wearing and, and yeah. you know, like as you get older, and when I was thinking about like, when, when when you again start, you started twenty years ago or yeah. so. And when we were younger, in our thirties, you would sort of drive to Yorkshire and back and not, not yeah, think be about fine, it. be fine. And, and now, now it's mind you, I did drive back from Cardigan in Wales uh, last night and got home at three in the morning, and um, yeah, I so I get this sort of I finished the show and I thought there was a hotel there for me, and I thought. I could go now and get home by three. And I sort of clamped onto the steering wheel like a like an insane praying mantis. And I was like, I'm going to fucking do this. I'm going to do it. And a little and my sandwich, my crisps. And, yeah, made it. But, like, like one eye popped at one point. You lose an eye. But just to wake up in the morning in your own yeah. bed. Don't you... On those long drives, though, don't... I always get to a point where I think I've died... Yeah, and and this is hell. Is yeah, that I'm just going to be driving. Yeah, generally but... through. It's usually in Wales, so I'll just be driving through Wales, and that's what the afterlife is. Yeah, that's it forever, <laughs> forever, perpetually driving through Wales. Um, yeah, and I saw a badger at one point last night. That was there, and you're like, was that a badger? Was it a werewolf? What is going on? And I, there was parts of the journey because have you ever been to Cardigan? There's a beautiful art centre there, but it really is quite a long, 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 long way away. Um, And the first sort of fifty miles of the drive back is, you know, through the through the Welsh countryside. And I've got quite an overactive imagination, does the job that I do. And at some point, you know, it was like 11 o'clock at night, it was pitch black, there was badgers, there was a couple of deers, there was an owl at one point. I was like, oh, an owl, you very rarely see them. And I did see one the other day at the Arboretum because they had a bird of prey exhibition as well, which was (laughs) thoroughly enjoyable. The things that man did with a bit of chicken on the end of a string. Anyway, at some point when I'm driving on my own, a voice in my head will go, don't look in the wing mirror, don't look in the rearview mirror, don't look at... Does anybody else get this? I'm like, oh... 
It's the devil clown, he's in the back seat, isn't it? I, I much have watched a film when I was young where a clown popped up in a back seat of somebody's yeah. car late at night, and now I can't get out of my head when I'm driving back from Wales at two in the morning. I can't look in the back seat. Yeah. Yeah. The worst thing is you're about to wake up and find out you're still in that car. This yes, week. that's <laughs> it. Just dream. Up. <laughs> I've been hit Cardiff. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's. Um, I tell you what, though. I am having gone from a point where I never thought I'd be on stage again because I didn't know how I was going to do it to doing this tour. I'm so loving being on stage. That's great. It's yeah. so. I'm, ha I'm having a lot of fun. I mean, the audiences are hating it, but I'm not, <laughs> not. The audiences are great, but I'm having so much fun because it feels. <laughs> after the last couple of years, it feels like it feels a lot purer. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. There's no expectation attached to it for me. All I want to do is go out and make people laugh. That is it. I, don't, I, I go from day to like tour date to tour date to tour date, and. Uh, very much live in the present with it, and I'm so much happier on stage, and I'm really, really enjoying it. And I'm, good. yeah, it's good. That was Zoe Lyons. Now it's time for the final guest for this compilation, or I like to call it compilation because I, that's how excited I am by all of the guests. Um, someone who's been on with his ex partner in crime, first time on his own, lovely guy. Remember, Adam Buxton is going to be on uh, in 2024, but this is his ex-double act, still friend, well, that's weird, Joe Cornish. Do you have any clear childhood memories that simply can't be true? I have a memory. I've, I'll tell you my two. One is going out into my back garden and Saturn being in the sky the size of the moon. Yes. I remember that happening. Yes. Another time, I was a couple of times, and I, this might have been a trick my sister did, but she did it. It was amazing. Uh, she pretended to prick herself, or I remember pricking herself on her leg and blue blood coming out of her veins. Well, isn't it true that blood can be different colours no. depending on... Isn't it? No. I thought it can be different colours depending no. on which part of the body it's in. No. Maybe your, maybe your parents dyed her blood blue because <laughs> they wanted to be more posh. <laughs> A little bit of quink Did you, uh, do you have into any... the... <laughs> Could be. Quick. Do, you, do you have anything like that? Do you remember? Uh, no, I ha I've had nightmares. Like that, I, I had nightmares as a child that I can vividly remember as right. if they were real. A man with a wolf's head and red Y fronts <laughs> stepping into my room, literally when I was a kid, and that can't be real, can it? I mean, the red Y fronts, yes, that's within the realm of possibility, <laughs> but the wolf's head, no. Yeah, that's quite scary. No, I, I don't think. Do you so. think the Jupiter thing's possible that I possibly went out and saw or Saturn, wherever it was? So. The they were the, the rings. What is it? Explain it again, please. I went into the garden and there was, in the sky, there was the ringed planets. Which one's that? Saturn? Yeah. That was an easy one. That was... That was but that one was beneath you. <laughs> like the size of the moon in the sky and I was in the back. But, like, why would I be in the back garden no, at night time? Yeah, that's not possible. Unless you... Uh, yeah, unless you... Uh, I don't know. No, that's not possible. No. I remember it. Unless you had, had a bit of grit in your eye that somehow adjusted <laughs> the... Power of your eyes for a millisecond. Yeah. Sometimes the moon looks really big, though, right? So it could yes, be... it does. It always looks very big in films, doesn't it? Yeah. Like in America, is it really that big? In I went some... when I was in America when I was eighteen or nineteen. I think this is true. I, the moon <laughs> on the horizon just looked about five times bigger than it would. be. Yeah. It was massive. So I think it does. It happens in America because America's closer to the moon. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it is. You've been there. You know what's that. Like. Right. We'll do one more. Um, 
I won't ask you the oh Jesus I promised one that didn't work out very the well. The what? It doesn't matter. What what tune would you sing? Oh Jesus, I have promised. Do you remember the hymn? Oh Jesus, I have promised. No, no. So yeah, don't. That's worry why about it's that one. not a good question. There's like this. Four we different... did a thing. Adam once did a thing on the radio show where, like, you quite often find. Like, I went to a memorial the other day for uh, uh, for a relative who'd passed away, and there was a hymn I just had never heard in yeah. my life before. So you just have to riff it, right? And they're quite easy to refer him. It's fairly easy because they're all about the same. And they do this and they do that. And then they end again. Yeah. They're, they're mostly all like that, yeah, aren't that's they? That's good. But thank you. You just have to stay half a beat behind the person next to you. <laughs> and you get a little clue in the, the intro is usually like yeah. a little away way in that's right they give you the verse chorus they give you a little clue that's true I tell you the the song that has the best intro that I didn't realise for uh, I just heard it on the radio the other day the Wombles of Wimbledon Common Away you know isn't that amazing I was about to I was going to wait for you to finish what you were going to say and then I was about to say well the song with the best intro ever is the Wombles it's got the longest the most notes that's a shitload of notes it is and it's sort of nothing to do with what comes. We should we should be friends. <laughs> I, I've really thought about that quite a lot. <laughs> I just heard it when that is the most amazing yeah. piece of music. You look a bit like a Womble. <laughs> <laughs> Only because of the hair. What Womble does Richard look the most like? Orinoco? I like Tom. Uncle Oren- Bulgaria. Uncle Bulgaria. Madame Cholet, as Uncle sweet as Bulgaria. We can, he can remember, who can remember the times when he wasn't behind the times? With his map of the world, pick up the paper. And... <laughs> Let's talk about omelettes. Great. I, I want to try and get the intro to the Wombles song into the charts, but not the rest it of the It would be a good sample for Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Wouldn't it's it? It's like on really funky brass instruments or something. Some like umpire. It's not I think funky. it's maybe on those big... It's never going to be funky. It's like a weird... <laughs> it's good. Thanks for listening to our first compilation of the best of 2023. We are back tomorrow with... A whole lot more, so tune in then, or if you're not listening to this on the day it was released, just you can probably go and listen to the next one straight away. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, 
a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for listening. Do come and see me on tour. RichardHerring.com slash gigs is the easiest way to find out where I'm going. And GoFasterStripe.com. You can buy books and downloads. And just tell your friends about the podcast. If you can't make it to the tour show, if you don't want to buy any products, then every time you listen to an advert, you're helping us make more podcasts with a very, very tiny micro payment. So thank you very much for that. I love you all. It's lovely to meet you on tour, by the way. Hello to everyone who's said hello so far. Do come and say hello after the show if you enjoyed it, if you want to see me. That'd be nice. You can get a selfie. I don't care. I'm a selfie whore. All right, see you soon.